2: Because it's not a matter of my liberation. It's also a matter of yours. If you're working,
1: if we're working together, it's not because we're going to do something for the poor black people. We're going to do something for each other to save this really rather frightening world. Whatever our differences, we are fellow
0: Americans. And please believe me when I say no association has ever meant more to me than that.
2: I'm Van Jones, and this is Uncommon Ground. Welcome back to Uncommon Ground. It, it's really easy to just feel completely overwhelmed by everything that's going on. And, and we, we kind of ask these huge questions, you know, how are we going to stop global warming? Or how are we going to save democracy or end racism or end sexism? Like you know, these huge questions. And what I want to do with this episode in particular is to remind us that really, literally every human being can have a massive impact on the world through having a massive impact on their own community. And, you know, if if we're going to have change, if we're going to have real change, sustainable change, it's really three things. It's going to be top down, bottom up and inside out. That's the formula. Top down, of course, you know, we got to have, you know, governments and corporations and presidents and courts, you know, do the right thing. And a lot of the news is focused on those kind of big top down elite actors. And we'll have some of them on this, on this podcast series for sure. But it's also this kind of inside-out factor of individual people changing their, their own lives, finding their own North Star, making the changes in their own life and capacity and self-esteem and commitment, that's key. But the third piece is, in addition to the top-down and the inside-out, is the bottom-up. I come out of bottom-up movements. I come out of grassroots movements. I come out of movements where people who don't have very much are making a way out of no way. People saying, you know, we'll either find a way or make a way. And I think the grassroots voices are not getting hurt from enough. I think the people who are on the front lines of communities that are suffering from from poverty and addiction and all kinds of problems and who are doing beautiful stuff need more attention. Because... You know, the true uh, inspiration for me, you know, the platinum mine of, of hope and inspiration is to be found in places that people from the outside would look at and say, well, that place is hopeless. But it's not true. It's not true. Uh, there's always hope because there's always people who are trying to make a difference and who are succeeding against all odds. Or you might say above all odds. <laughs> and I say above all odds because that's the name of an organization in Philadelphia that has been created by an unbelievable young woman named Latanya Myers. Before you hear from her, I want you to hear a little bit about her. She grew up uh, African-American and very low income in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is a tough town, and the toughest parts of Philadelphia are as tough as Chicago or Detroit or any of the other places that you hear about. At 12 years old, she decided that the man who was abusing her mother physically, violently needed to be confronted, needed to stop and she threw an aerosol can at him and in an act of what I would call real heroism, defended her mom Believe it or not the guy who was abusing her mom called the cops on her this 12 year old girl and the police arrested her and put her in jail for being violent against the abuser of her mom now, you would think that would be such a terrible injustice, it would be reversed immediately. It was not.
3: A couple days after my 12th birthday, I woke up that morning and my mom's boyfriend had took her bed and dragged it all the way down the steps. I thought that I could protect my mom and I picked up like an air freshener can and I hit him with it. He went to a payphone, called the police. When I seen the cops, I thought that they would understand what was going on. I was charged with aggravated assault in the first degree. That first felony from when I was 12 years old is what it brings up time and time again. My only felony on my record that I shouldn't even have. Instead of getting protected, I got prosecuted.
2: She wound up being put on juvenile probation. If you know anything about the system, and I've been working in the system for, for 30 years as an attorney and an advocate, probation is a trap. Think about supervision, Without support. Imagine if you had a young person, all you did was supervise him and try to catch him doing bad stuff, but you never tried to help him do good stuff. That is what juvenile probation is. Sure enough, she winds up in and out of the system. She winds up with a very serious gun charge and a drug possession charge and uh, gets a 14 year sentence for uh, prison and probation and parole. All of this would be enough to ruin most people. I don't know if my life started out at 12 years old, getting put into the criminal justice system and, you know, uh, falling down, steer after steer. I don't think I'd be sitting here. Somehow, this young woman found something in herself that I want her to be able to share with you in that she was able to get off of probation. That's very hard. She was able to get terminated from probation by organizing her community to stand up to the judge and say, enough is enough. Let this young woman go on with her life.
0: Includes Pretoria, Myers,
3: would you like to begin? Within the last 18 months, I was able to find my voice and become an advocate, to, to be a part of the solution and not the problem. I think when it comes to true probation reform, we have to start with the reform of the culture in the probation department. It's not one that's encouraging. It's not empowerment. When I got on probation, all I was told was I have to come in here weekly and report. I was looked at as high risk because of an algorithm that no matter what I accomplished, it would never change. (sighs) That is a meaningless, endless cycle, a cycle of trauma, a cycle of pain. We just want to give a true, fair second chance, not a second class citizen, but a fair second chance to prove ourselves and to build our communities up. Thank you.
2: Latanya Myers. She has gone on to do so many good things in in Philadelphia, which she's going to tell you about. I love Latanya. She is a gem. She is a, a jewel shining in a very tough circumstance. I always say, no pressure, no diamonds. No pressure, no diamonds. Well, she is a diamond. And I want you to hear from her. I want you to get ready to take serious inspiration from somebody who is finding every single thing she can to make a difference. She is a dynamo for change. And I want you to hear from her and how she's taking action. Sometimes things that could seem very small can actually have a very big ripple effect. And she's somebody who's finding every way that she can to make a
0: very big difference. by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. My name's Latonya Myers. I'm a Philadelphia native and
3: a survivor of the system. I'm the CEO and founder of Above All Odds, a nonprofit with a mission to address the underlying issues of communities that's affected by mass incarceration.
2: Latanya, yeah, you know, we we've worked together before. I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. You, you're not just a normal guest. We we we've been arm in arm working together on, on the ground in Philadelphia, uh, trying to pass legislation to uh, change the probation system, the parole system, um, and uh, you know, so you're you're kind of my leader uh, my my grassroots, uh, uh, hero, shero, uh, champion, and and that work of trying to change laws, trying to change policy, trying to educate the public, trying to deal with media, um, has really brought us together in a, a, a way that I think a lot of guys like myself who are on television don't get a chance to work so closely with someone who's at the grassroots level, but you know, you and I have a bond.
3: I feel as though that we do have a bond and I'm so grateful to be able to work alongside as amazing leader as you um, for the blueprint that you've laid for so many, um, not being scared to speak truth to power. And I will never forget, I was um, going through a, a particular time when my grandmother had passed away and you told me, and I'll never forget this, you said, cry as much as you need to, but not as more than what you have to. And you also told me, um, dreams come true to those who work for it. And I I often think about, you know, those two things um, when I feel like I'm overwhelmed or I feel like something is impossible.
2: You know, a lot of people have bad days. Um, stuff happens. And um, it becomes very easy, I think, to say, hey, look, it's just too much. I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. You know, you've had some tough days and you haven't given up. And I want the uncommon ground community to get some love from you, and in order for that to to, to make sense, I want to start out with what an unbelievable uh, story you've got. Just set the scene.
3: Um, I'm a community activist. My background is one of uh you know, being raised by a single mother and a grandmother is something that really uh grounded my story and gave me just just gave me the the, the fuel I, I feel that I carry to this day. Um, to open more doors and educate people the way that my grandmother educated me. My father passed away when I was six years old. Um, he passed away after being released from custody. Three months later, um, he was gone. And I knew all the hope and dreams that he had for me, but all the barriers he faced as a formerly incarcerated individual.
2: He, he said, he, said he, got, he got out of jail and then he died? What happened?
3: Yeah, so um, he was released in 1996. And um, that summer, three months after uh, they found his body floating in the 30th Street, he was killed. And it was it's an unsolved murder. Um, and there's a lot of questions that hasn't been answered. Um, but I just hope to honor his legacy by helping others that's coming home and wanting to reconnect with their kids and start a new life.
2: Is that what opened the door for your, for your mom, you know, having a kind of a, an unfortunate relationship And and talk talk a little bit about just that whole aspect, because as a kid coming up, you kind of had to stick up for your mom in a way that the system didn't like.
3: Yeah, my mom took that lost heart. You know, she battled with substance abuse and was looking for love in different places as I was growing up. And she particularly found herself in a situation where she was being abused and I woke up to it, you know, and not having a father. This is, you know, before cell phones. I didn't know who to call. I didn't know what to do. And I was angry and I was frustrated. And I wanted this man to get off my mother. And in my mind, I was like, I lost one parent. I can't lose another. Um, So I went downstairs and I told him, get out the house, go, get off my mom. I pushed him and I hit him with uh, like an aerosol can that I seen next to me. At 12 years old, I was about 100 pounds. You know, this guy was in well over his 40s. Um, So he left and went to a payphone and actually called the police. I never thought that they would handcuff me and my mother and lead us out the house. You know, I thought that they was coming to see if we were all right. Um but no, they handcuffed it, me and my mother and processed us both in the same police station. And you know, seeing her handcuffed and sent off to adult prison and me sent off to a juvenile facility. You know, I didn't know how to reach my mother or my grandmother and I didn't know if my mother was safe and okay. It's a traumatic time
2: you're in a situation where you're just trying to defend your mom you know it's more like self-defense family defense um when i met you you were you you come out of all that and were getting off the of probation and you were already starting to fight for change you were already starting to try to be a difference maker not just in your own case but for your whole community. You already had testified in front of major committees. It's unbelievable you've become such a change maker. And what you've done with turning a breakdown into a breakthrough is where I really feel like the Uncommon Ground community needs to hear from you. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing, some of the initiatives that you're a part of and just the things that you're doing to bring hope and healing to Philadelphia?
3: I'm the CEO and founder of an organization called Above All Odds. And our mission is to give people the resources they need. I'm proud to say that we have paid over $23,000 in rental assistance for individuals that's returning home to actually have a home to come to. Um, Mothers are fighting for their kids back and they don't have the adequate space. Um, So we made sure that we secured housing for single mothers fighting not only for their freedom, but for their kids and fighting to keep their kids together. You know, that we want to inspire them to not to give up to, um, you know, not to conform to this negative stereotype of what a formerly incarcerated person is.
2: Let's, 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 let's back it up, back it up, because um, uh, people may not even understand the need for what you're talking about. So you said that you raised $23,000 to help people um, with rental assistance. When people come home from prison, don't they automatically have like a house or an apartment or, or something? I mean, explain why this is even worth doing. What you're talking about?
3: I mean, tens of thousands of people return home from incarceration uh, every year, and they don't have a home to come to. Sometimes, some people are incarcerated um, and then found not guilty for crimes just because they couldn't afford to purchase their freedom. Um, and while they're in custody, unfortunately, their landlords are still collecting and wanting to collect rent. Mm. Um, so sometimes there's eviction process. Um, it was an individual that actually got released and we drove her home and she knocked on a door and she was only 18 and had served over a year in prison and her family moved. She had nowhere to go. And that's when I knew we had to do something.
2: You know, when you say not able to purchase your freedom, one of the reasons, I want the Uncommon Ground community to understand how broken some of these systems are. Uh, when, when we used to do our work together, I used to call it, you know, uh, it's not left or right. Some of the stuff is just stupid. Um, like we, we need to have like an anti-stupid coalition to fix a lot of this stuff. So for instance, you're talking about um, uh, people not being able to quote unquote purchase their freedom. What that means is the police put handcuffs on somebody. They haven't been convicted of anything. They haven't been before a judge. They've just been arrested. The police officer said, we think this person did something wrong. Well, the the court will set bail And if you have money, you can purchase your freedom. You can put the money up and then you can go home. But what if you don't have any money? You could be completely innocent, but you're going to sit in that jail cell for a night, a week, a month, a season, sometimes a year, sometimes more, just waiting to get in front of a jury. People have no idea that's even going on. And bail reform has become a big deal, but you're not waiting for bail reform. Talk a little bit about what you've done to try to actually just bail people out yourself on a community basis.
3: Yeah, so I'm the support coordinator at the Philadelphia Community Bell Fund, and you know what 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 my work is is not waiting for the courts. You know, I started off as a bail navigator the first in Pennsylvania at the Defenders Association of Philadelphia.
2: Now, now what what is a bail navigator?
3: So a bail navigator was a position. Um, it was a grant based position, and my job was to enter those same jails. And get the story of who individuals was so that the judge can have a better understanding of who this person was outside of what this person was currently being charged with. You know, connecting them with employment or potential job offers and um, addressing some underlying issues so that we can try to convince the courts to at least allow this person to fight their case from the street um, without having to put a price on their freedom.
2: See, I think people don't even know that this is going on. This is so-called the land of the free. You're talking about Philadelphia, as you said, the birthplace of democracy. But if you're poor, if you're low income, if you don't have money, you're you're basically guilty until proven innocent because you cannot get out. And the idea that somebody like yourself actually has a job to literally just go and try to humanize people. So they're not just a a, a number, a jail number in a file someplace, but they have a story. They, they have a child, they have a home, they have a grandma that needs them. And that that you are doing this work to then go and beg and plead with people, please let this person go home. I don't think people even know that's that's a thing. And so you know your your ability to do that and to be a, such a trailblazer blazer in that is just I mean it makes me very emotional to even think about. But that's not the only thing that you do. I I, 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 I tell I tell Latanya stories all the time, but you could tell your own story. What about um, uh, the clothes drives that you do?
3: Well, you know, sometimes people get released from jail and they was arrested in the summertime, you know? So you come home, you don't have a jacket. You're standing at a bus stop. Um, I remember standing outside of a club, shivering with a hoodie on and seeing people leave their jackets and not even worry to come back to them. Um, So I saw that as an opportunity to really address the issue that I seen. And obviously they didn't need the jackets because they was well off. So I actually you know, asked the manager of the club. And I said, hey, what are you doing with these jackets? And he said, well, we keep them for 30 days, and if they don't come back and get them, we just keep them. And I said, well, you know, I like to do a a clothing drive for individuals. And um, so I dropped some jackets off at the juvenile center in Philadelphia because a lot of kids, when they come out of placement or from um, these juvenile facilities, they only have sweatsuits and flip-flops on
2: um, don't you also give, give out like book bags to kids and stuff?
3: Um, So I, you know, coming up in the LGBT community and, you know, being really um, embraced by that community in a way, I wanted to do something for those kids. I knew that I seen these book bag giveaways in other areas of the city, but I didn't see none that was particularly for um, those kids. You know, I don't care if you want a pink or a purple book bag, you can have whatever one. I just wanted them to be able to be their self and give them the tools they need to survive and, you know, walk down those, those hallways with confidence. Um, And I remember as a kid, you know, not wanting to raise my hand, knowing to answer, but afraid that people, you know, get a whiff of something that they can make fun of me. And I wanted kids to make sure that, you know, that wouldn't be a problem that they can reach their hand as high in the sky and with confidence answer a question.
2: One of the points of the, uncommon ground podcast. And the point this whole community is building bridges that people are in their own bubbles. You know, you voted this way, I voted that way. We can never speak. You're this color, I'm that color. You pray that way. I pray that way. Um, and yet nothing good happens until we get outside of those bubbles. We get outside of our comfort zones and we start working together. Um, even at the grassroots level, uh, it's not like everybody's un- unified. I mean, you don't have to go to Washington, D.C. to find disunity. It's, there's disunity even at the neighborhood level. Can you just maybe share an example of of you crossing bridges and divides within Philadelphia to make something positive happen?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, being and growing up in the LGBT community, which we call the neighborhood, you know, we find ourselves in places where people come from all different walks of life. You know, example is, Here's a club owner that's sitting on 10 bags of jackets, but didn't understand that the people right outside his clubs was freezing to death, right? Um, So it's like, how can we, you know, come together and like utilize the understanding of, hey, you know, this could save someone's life, right? Like, you know, just having people step back and look at their privilege, but also me, you know, talking to store owners in front of places where, they're like, look, you are, you got potential, kid. What do you want to do? Send me a proposal letter. And I'm like, what's a proposal letter, right? You know, so this podcast, Uncommon Ground, the common ground that we all have is we have people within our community that are hurting, that are incarcerated, that are starving to death, that are, you know, just trying to survive out here. So if we can work together, I think really being able to stand up for what's right as a, as a mankind and something that we'll be proud of.
2: I'm going to move on and think about what we could do together in Philadelphia, because that's really, uh, for me, uh, I mean, just get a chance to work with you again would just be amazing. Um, I know that you got an award, uh, the Reebok International Human Rights Award this year. Uh, First of all, how did it feel to get the award? I mean, to get an International Human Rights Award uh, for the stuff you're doing at the grassroots level in Philadelphia is very unusual. Um, how how did it feel to get that kind of global recognition from one of the biggest corporations in the world?
3: It 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 took me back to the moments where I was in a cell and I was crying and then people didn't see me for who I was or what I could bring forth and I'm still really, you know, I'm so immersed in the work that I don't think it really hit me yet um but um I'm I'm excited and I'm proud to bring that type of award back to the city of Philadelphia.
0: And hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself
1: at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation.
0: On the Nintendo Switch system, you can team up with friends in Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Where you can meet talking flowers. Life's full of surprises. And where piranha plants sing. And where Mario, Luigi, and Peach turn into elephants. Wowie, it's Zoe. And where this announcer turns into a... Super tiny
3: announcer! <laughs> That's not in the game.
0: <clears throat> Sorry, got a little excited. Nintendo Switch, the home of Mario and Friends. Game rated E for everyone. Game and system sold separately.
2: You mentioned I, I also got the Reebok International Human Rights Award when I was in my 20s. Um, and I was, you know, grassroots working in Oakland. Um, when we were doing our human rights work, we had an organization still there called the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights, which I found that when I was in my uh, mid twenties, dealing with police brutality, dealing with jail conditions in those days, back in the nineties. And um, we actually got a terrible police officer named Mark Andaya fired, um, who had uh, killed two unarmed African-American men um, and gotten away with it both times. And we finally rallied and, and the preachers and the teachers and all the respectable people they didn't want to get involved. It's like you know, hey, like you know, we don't want to offend the mayor. We don't want to offend the police chief. We got a black mayor. We got a like you know all this type of stuff. And uh, we so we organized all the young people. And um and we and we got we got some justice in that case. We got the police officer at least fired. And um and I got that that phone call that Reebok International Human Rights Award was going to recognize me, and it changed my life. Uh, I wouldn't be sitting here if I hadn't gotten that recognition because what it did is open opened the door and I'm meeting all these people who in the 90s had big, big names and they were able to reach back to Oakland and, and help me. And I just feel it's amazing to have you getting that same award and now I'm in that position. This, you know, this is just not for the podcast. This is for real. <laughs> like I really want to walk side by side with you and figure out what we can do in Philly.
3: I really appreciate all the sacrifice that you've made for so many and the blueprint and the foundation that you laid so that individuals like me and so many that still to come can stand on that foundation and get it done and get it done right and don't allow anyone to stop us, you know, regardless of... uh, what side of the track people on if we can move together, if we can work together, then we can make change in in in, in, in a positive light. So I just want to say thank you.
2: Well I, I appreciate it. And and um and and I'm just getting started and you're just getting started as well. I also just want to ask you, I mean, you know, if you had more resources, I mean if you had if money weren't an object, we we're always having a dream in these little tiny thimbles you know, like these little teeny tiny, not even shoeboxes, boxes boxes that they put us in. And then you're trying to figure out, well, what can I do if I only can, you know, have, you know, this many coats or this many book bags? And we're always dealing inside of all this scarcity in a nation with more abundance than any nation has ever had. And it just will drive you crazy. If money weren't an object, what are the kind of things that you wish you could do that you haven't been able to do yet?
3: When I dream of being able to really make an impact and You know, the great thing about doing this work is we have moments that we are seeing people secure housing and turn their keys for the first time. We're seeing people put on jackets. But the hardest part is when a person comes and we don't have the funds to continue to get the next person a house. You know, if people are given the resources needed to survive and bring out their God given talent and skill, it won't just allow it won't just change a person's life, but it might ultimately save a person's life in the future.
2: Why can't we just hire them? Literally, these are, you know, young entrepreneurs or street entrepreneurs, um, but they understand, you know, marketing, distribution, wholesale. I mean, like they understand a lot of these concepts. They're just doing it in a different way, in a, in a negative way, because those are the opportunities being put forward. Why can't we be as aggressive as hiring and giving I mean, these young entrepreneurs a chance as the drug cartels and all the people we say are the bad guys? Forget the bureaucracy, the government, all these different things. What can we do directly for the people who are in that life.
3: Yes, there's a lot. I mean, you said it, you know, the aptitude and the overseen talent that's within our communities. You know, uh, I believe corporations that's given out that should give opportunities or could, you know, help people become entrepreneurs that would help, you know, our whole nation's economy. I think, uh, you know, these kids, if you know how to, if you know what 28 grams is, it equals an ounce, right? Like, imagine if they can become chemists and uh, bio chemistry and things like that. So I think what we can do is, you know, take the drugs out their hand and figure out exactly what product, what, what 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 good product that we can replace that with. Uh take that 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 energy that they have and that desperation to survive and channel it in a successful way. And I think that starts with entrepreneurship, you know, if they're going to shut people out of jobs because the collateral consequences is a lot of people can't get fair housing, cannot get jobs.
2: And when you say say collateral consequences, what you mean is if you have a record, a criminal record, there are a whole series of things you cannot apply for. It's hard to get an apartment. It's hard to get a student loan. It's hard to get a lot of jobs. So they tell you, okay, well, you served your time. But then when you leave, you still serving your time for the rest of your life because there's so many things that you can't do. Those are called collateral consequences. But you're saying if you're going to have all these collateral consequences from getting a job, maybe we should give them the position as entrepreneurs to give people jobs and to, to make progress that way.
3: Yes. I mean, and for example, I just tried to renew my lease to my apartment and I was told because of my criminal record, no.
2: Wow. With a, with an with International Human Rights Award in your hand, they don't want to give you an apartment. They want you. They, want, they don't want you to keep your apartment.
3: <laughs> You know it hurts um so i know how it can you know uh really trickle down in a community that just need opportunity and hope and 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 resources uh like home ownership gentrification wouldn't be a problem if we owned the property i think that you know us really figuring out what the youth and what individuals um passions are and, and like giving them the tools to become those entrepreneurs and get those MBAs and really compete in these, really you put me in, I, I haven't been to college, but when you have that God-given talent, no one can say no, right? You know, you put me in a room, you can study law all you want. I'm going to understand it in a different way because it hits home.
2: Well, look, I, I, I love everything you're saying and, and those are all things that we can work on together. As we close up, I'm um, Just my two last questions are, um, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? You mentioned the MBAs and the law and stuff like that. Is that in your future? Are we going to look up and you got a, a JD MBA or, or you, are you going to run for office? I mean, everybody wants to know, like, what, what are you going to do?
3: Um, I want to work alongside individuals that might be, you know, not from my area, but how can we find that common ground to do what's right, right, for the next generation? So I really, you know... I will hope to someday have my law degree and to continue educating and dispelling these negative stigmas, but most importantly, inspiring and uplifting others to rise above all odds.
2: I think that'd be amazing. Um, I guess my last question is just, you know, what is it that is driving you to give so much to others? Um, is, is it is it a philosophy? Is it a spirit? Is it a soul? Is it a theology? Um, what is in you that is 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 uh, making you, calling you to do all these things? And what do you hope that people who are in bigger positions right now can learn and gather from your community uh, in Philadelphia?
3: I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, but the source of it comes from my ancestors. It comes from my grandmom that was born in 1929. When I close my eyes, I think about in hard days, I think about my ancestors that, you know, was on that middle passage from Africa and it was in the bottom of a ship, dark ship. And I said, if they can survive, I can survive. And I channel that energy, you know, and I'm living proof that they made it through and they survived because here I am. Um,
2: if somebody wants to be in contact with you or support your organization, what should they do?
3: Is You can go to the website, which is Above All eyes.org. Or you can go to our LinkedIn tree, which is Above All Odds slash LinkedIn tree. There's an overview of our services and um, the impact that we've been having. Um, But you can also, you know, contact me at Latanya why not prosper at gmail.com. I just want to say I'm so
2: proud to know you. I feel a star is being born in the community. And uh, I just thank you very, very much.
3: Thank you, Vin. Thank you for your whole crew. Thank you for everything they're doing, laying a foundation. Keep hope alive, brother. We see the beauty of hope. That spirit
2: is so beautiful.
1: Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the Golden Door.
2: I just get so fired up talking to young folks who are making it happen and who are just so real and honest and have so much integrity like LaTanya. And you know, the three things I take away from uh, that conversation and just from the whole context of knowing her and other activists like her. Number one, we gotta stop wasting genius. LaTanya is just brilliant. She's just brilliant. And I think we are looking for when we think Show me some genius who can solve these problems. You know, you overlook the people who are right there implementing uh, solutions in real time. All too often, you know, we're looking for the pundit, we're looking for the professor, we're looking for the senator. And you're, you're driving past people who can tell you exactly what's wrong and how to fix it. You know, Glenn Martin is a criminal justice activist, coined the phrase, those who are closest to the problem are closest to the solution but they are the farthest from power and resources. That is so true. Look, LaTanya herself spent nine months in jail just because she didn't have the money to pay bail. Hadn't been convicted at that point, hadn't pled to anything, just literally didn't have enough money in her pocket to be able to come home. Can you imagine sitting in a jail cell Not having been convicted of anything, not having pled guilty to anything, but you just can't go home for one month, two months, five months, six months, nine months because you're poor, because you're broke. She experienced that, which is why she became the first bail navigator in Philadelphia to help people in that situation get out of that situation. She was closest to the problem. She understands that kind of genius applied to real world circumstance. That's the solution to a whole bunch of problems. If we would give the money and the power and, and the positions to people who've actually experienced this stuff, there's no telling how many problems would get solved. we got to stop wasting genius. we got to stop assuming that we know what genius looks like. we got to look around and open the door. And, and as Jose Andre said, have longer tables for more people to be a part of this conversation. And people like LaTanya Myers should be a part of the conversation. Number two, I-, I use this term provocatively, we have to stop pimping pain. We are going to have a lot of formerly incarcerated people, a lot of people who have been uh, victims of detention in our country, and others who've had real problems. As a journalist, as an interviewer, I have an ethic. I don't make people relive their worst moments over and over and over again in these interviews. Too often, somebody who's had a traumatic experience like LaTanya, you know, the interviewer says, tell me how this felt. How did this feel? Oh my God, give me more, give me more pain. It almost becomes like pain porn. And we've got to stop doing that as we bring people into these conversations. And so, you know, I, I told a little bit, you notice, of her story on the front end, a little bit on the back end, but I don't want you to see her or any of my other guests who had this experience as victims or as people who have done bad things or had bad things done to them, I want you to see them as experts on how to solve it. And so that's that's going to be part of the ethic of this podcast series. You're going to hear from people who've gone through hell. We're not going to put them through hell to share with you what they know. And then last, it's easy to feel, I feel it, to feel completely overwhelmed that I can't do anything, these problems are too hard. And then you you, you hear LaTanya going from, you know, bar to bar you know, getting coats for people. Well, heck, man, I at least can can do something. It is in fact the case nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something, and everybody can do a little bit more than we're doing. And if everybody just does a little bit more, a lot more will get done. And, you know, it's about finding those resources, and I just want to continue to invite and encourage you to do an inventory? Could you mentor somebody? Uh, just giving one person access to you and all you know could change that person's life, could change their family, could change their community. You have no idea. It could change the world. You know, is there a program that you can help? Do you got some coats in your closet that could be donated? What can we do? Many of the people, including you, have probably more resources at your disposal than LaTanya does. I certainly do, but I don't use them every day. I don't push myself every day the way that she does. So all of us, I think, can stop making excuses and start making progress, even in small ways. Look, change is going to be top-down, bottom-up, and inside-out. And Latanya Myers is really engaged in all three. You know, she pushes elected officials to do the right thing. That's top-down. She also takes personal responsibility to help people in her community. That's bottom-up. And look at the way that she's changing herself and challenging herself to be better. Uh, that $100,000 uh, that she got from Reebok, I hope is the floor and not the ceiling on the support that she gets from this society. And I hope that she is one of many and not just you know one of one of young people who start getting this level of support in these tough communities. No pressure, as I say, no diamonds. Look at this diamond. There are many, many more out there. Let's do all we can to lift them up. I'm Van Jones, and this is Uncommon Ground. As we build this Uncommon Ground community, we really want to hear from you. So we set up a voicemail box at 347-770-2785. That's 347 770 2785, where you can call and ask a question or leave a comment, and you might actually hear your voice and your question on a podcast episode. Look forward to hearing from you. Uncommon Ground with Van Jones is an Amazon original production. It's produced by Magic Labs Media and Wonder Media Network. Our producers are Teddy Alexander, Maisha Dyson, Grace Lynch, Sundu Hassan and Adesawa Agbonile. Our managing producers are Lauren D. and Eliza Mills. Our executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and Morgan Jones. Our theme music was composed by The Grand Mess. Publicity for the show is led by Alice Zoe, Andy Lichtenfeld, Didier Moraes, and Chantel Muentes. Special thanks to Jana Carter, Taylor Williamson, Seven McDonald, Drew Schwindemann. Eric Carter, Trevor McNeil, Carrie McCarran, Joe McMillan, Steph Walkneen, Vanessa Rebert, Ty Jacobson, Marshall Lewey, and Chris Jackaman. Those audio clips that you heard earlier are from the eight-part docuseries called Philly DA, it came to us courtesy of Independent Lens. You can watch Philly DA on the PBS Video app with PBS Passport.
0: Hey, Prime members! You can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com/survey.
1: Once upon a beat.